One of the things I got this past Christmas, uh, those who always say, well, I don't know what to get him. Well, I can tell you right now, there's two things you can do. You can either be listening to me, and when you hear uh, certain things about um, different things I might be reading, in fact, I'm going to start posting and putting on the, in the bulletin and stuff and on, on the wall and just to, by way of announcement, different books that I'm reading throughout the year that might encourage you so that you will be able to follow along in terms of where I'm coming from and where sometimes some of my thinking gets where I get some of this stuff at. I just don't pull it out of the head. A lot of it's Bible, but a lot of it's different things that I read that challenges me and challenges uh, my view of where we are as a church. But one of the things I got for Christmas this past year was this book called The Compelling Community. The Compelling Community where God's power makes a church attractive. And it's by Mark Deaver and Jamie Dunlop. I had to have a, had the opportunity to meet Mark Deaver at Cedarville College last year. Uh, he's a pastor of Washington, D.C. I can't think of the name. Capitol Hill. Yes, Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. And uh, so I had the opportunity to meet with him and talk to him a little bit. So he's the author of this book. So far, I've just got just a few pages into it. But what I've got into it is really good. So we'll talk about the compelling community. That's one of the things that uh, we want to be in terms of the city of Wilmington. We want to be a church that's comp- compelling, that's attractive. That us, you know, if I was to ask the question, what is it about for all of you who are here? Is there, maybe I should put it this way, is there anything about our church that you find compelling and attractive? Is why, that's the reason why you come. And if not, then we need to find out what we can do. Not change from our standard on the Bible, Maintain the word of God, but what is it? Why, if you were to go out and sell the church that you say you belong to, what would be your selling point? Amen? So that's a little bit. So compelling community is is where we're at. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 10, we have an interesting scenario, and I'm not going to read all this, but when you read through it, it talks about... uh, Ezekiel is describing, and what it really talks about is the presence of God leaving the temple. Okay? The presence of God leaving the temple. And the reason why it's leaving the temple is because Israel had defiled it and abandoned the covenant of God. God finally got fed up with what was going on, and his presence, the Shekinah glory of God, is being taken out of the temple. That's significant in of itself. I mean, that, that shows you where, where the people had gotten to and for God to take his very presence of who he was and to leave the temple, which was the mainstay, was the cornerstone, was, was that part of their worship and service and where God manifested himself. For him to do that really was a significant point in the history of the nation of Israel. In Ezekiel chapter 10, and I'm not going to read all this. I'm going to skip some of it. I'll start reading a few verses, and then you can read this on your own. Uh, he says, Then I looked, and behold, on the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, there appeared above them something like a sapphire, in appearance like a throne. And he said to the man clothed in linen, Go in among the whirling wheels underneath the cherubim, fill your hands with burning coals from between the cherubim, and scatter them over the city. And he went in before my eyes. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the house when the man went in. And a cloud filled the inner court. And the glory of the Lord went up from the cherubim to the threshold of the house. And the house was filled with the cloud. 
and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. And the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. When you read down through there, he describes what's happening. I want to flip over to verse 18. He says, then, all that, he, all that has transpired, we get to verse 18. Then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. And the cherubim lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth before my eyes as they went out with the wheels beside them. And they stood at the entrance of the east gate of the house of the Lord. And the glory of the God of Israel was over them. Keeping, then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house. Amen. A community, community given by God. Community given by God. This church and all churches have been given to us by God. This is not my church. This is not your church. This church belongs to God. And I read what happened in Ezekiel because it was significant that the the presence of God had left the temple. Now, I'm going to quote real quickly here what Mark Deaver, this author, says about all this, and then I'm going to go to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and then we'll be done. He says, it's a chilling scene. Ezekiel is is in exile in Babylon, but suddenly he sees the temple back in Jerusalem. The glory of the Lord, which had filled the temple since the days of Solomon, is pictured as resting on a wheeled throne, and the throne is supported by flying cherubim. It begins to move. It departs from the most holy place. It stops at the threshold of the temple. It advances again, rising upward from the temple and then moving over the east gate until it's gone. The glory of the Lord has left the temple. Unspeakable horror. Yet nothing appears any different. The temple is still there. God's people are still there. Life continues unaltered. It's all the same, at least for now. So in other words, the Spirit of God, the Shekinah of God leads the temple, but everything maintains the same. People still come. People still go. They still do what they have to do. But the one and most important key ingredient that's missing is the Spirit of God. He says, and this is what I thought about when I was reading this, he says, What if the same thing happened to our church? Picture all the elements of the community in your church. In other words, all the things that we do. We come to Sunday school. We come to morning worship. We come on Wednesday nights. We come on Sunday nights. We do Lord's Supper. All the things that we do as a church, all the things that that we do as part of this church fellowship, all those things stay the same except for one thing, the presence of God. The Holy Spirit of God is not here. We still go through the motions, but God's spirit is not here. He says, picture all these elements of the community, your main main weekly gathering, Lord's Supper, small groups, we don't do that, accountability relationships, conversions, conversations after church, and so forth. Now picture the spirit of God and his supernatural power rising up and then departing from your congregation. What happens? What happens when God's spirit 
is gone? Well, he gives us some interesting questions. Do some people immediately feel like they no longer belong? Or do they continue coming to church for mostly the same reasons they did before? You've got to examine yourself. For what reasons are we coming? Do some, friendships, do some friendships instantly dissolve because no bond remains? Or do they survive because they were based on something other than the gospel in the first place? Examine your and my relationships to one another. Is it the bond we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ, or is it wrapped up in other things? I like a certain team. You like a certain team. I like to cook. You like to... All those things are nice and good of themselves, but that's not what we're supposed to be about. That's a commonality we have, but the real thing ought to be our desire to, to know Christ and to live for the Lord. He says, do your friendships dissolve or do they survive? Do you notice a conspicuous change in the conversations people have in, in services and in, in conversations? Perhaps a new reluctance to engage in difficult talk about each other's lives? Or was a self-sacrifice in these relationships never dependent on God's spirit to begin with? Do you begin to see a flood of requests for pastoral counseling because members no longer bearing each other's burdens? Or have people always seen the pastoral staff as the professionals they call in time of spiritual need? He says this, I would hope that our churches would dissolve into chaos the moment God removed his supernatural power. But I fear that many of us have built church community in such a way that Ezekiel's vision could come true in our own day. We would never notice the difference. Wow. That's what, I, that's what I said when I was like, wow. Can we do that? Can we still be doing the same old, same old things and yet don't even realize that the Spirit of God no longer, is no longer here? We're doing the things. We're trying to do the things. And, and, and maybe part of the problem that we're having, not just at, at, at Cornerstone, but in a lot of churches, we're, doing, we're trying to do some things apart from having the Spirit of God rest upon us and bless us and keep us. And maybe that's why we fail, because we're trying to do it ourselves, and not depending on the supernatural power of God that brings us together as a community under the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Just a thought. I hope you go home and say, hmm. If you're doing that right now, that's a good thing. That's what I want. I want you to go, hmm, I don't understand. I don't get it. Well, ask somebody and maybe they can help you understand. Because what I'm saying is, are we doing things? Do we do the things that we do just because? Or do we do the things that we do because God's spirit is upon us? Matthew 28, Jesus the Great Commission. It says in verse, I'll start with verse 16. He says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. All in heaven. And on earth 
in heaven and on earth was given by Jesus, by God the Father to him. Amen? The only reason he has authority is because the Father gave it to him. He says, all that was given to me by the Father. Here's here's the key. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The go is not the command. We're to go. The make disciples is the command. Make followers of me. Make those that will imitate me. Go, therefore, now that all authority, and I'm giving you disciples, as well as we now today, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, doing what? Number one, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Trinitarian baptism. When you're baptized, especially when you come into our church, we baptize you through all three. My dear brother and sister, on the profession of your faith, in obedience to God's command, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. That's what we as Baptists believe. If you come any other way, you have not come, as, as, as Baptists would say, because we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three. Go make disciples, make followers. Number one, you're to baptize them. And number two, you're to do what? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So once you get saved, once you come to Christ, once you say, I'm a believer, I confess, repent of my sins, you are baptized, brought into the body of Christ. We have a responsibility to teach you. Can you see what he says here? Go make disciples, make followers. How are you and I to be followers of Jesus if we don't know what it means to follow? He says, to make you and I a disciple, we have to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then we are to be taught, teaching them to observe, to do, to be what God wants us to be. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. For anybody that does not avail themselves to the teaching, then you're not being a good follower. And I said it, I think I said it Wednesday night, and I'll say it again. If you're not coming to learn more about Jesus so that you and I can be better disciples, then what you're really saying is that you don't need anymore, that you've already arrived, that, you know what? I know they have Sunday school. I don't need that. I know they have Wednesday night. I don't need that. And I know they have Sunday night. I really don't need that either. I've got all that I want. And I would tell you and I that that's not true. You don't have it all. And you and I have, under what the word of God says, once we're saved, once we profess, once we confess, once we repent, once we're baptized, we are to find ourselves under the discipleship and the fellowship of a local church where you could be taught the things so that you can do what Jesus just said, teaching us to observe all that I have commanded. And I can guarantee you, because I know I don't, and I go ahead and say it, you say, that's awful arrogant, Pastor, but I know us, and I can say for you, you don't know and I don't know all that God has commanded. That's why it's important that we come and learn about the things so that our walk with him might be better. And some of the things that we struggle with 
we might have victory over because we are availing ourselves to the teaching of the Word of God. Amen? Now, I'm closing on this point. Part of our mission as a church, if you look on the back of the bulletin, if you look on some other things, what you see is on my card, business cards, I have a little phrase, what we do is promote sound doctrine and good works. We can have all the teaching from the Bible, but a head knowledge without the application of it in our life does us no good. I, I'm not impressed by somebody that says, I know my Bible, and your and my life does not match up to what the Bible says. So we talk about, we teach sound doctrine. I know that what comes across this desk, and I know what comes across in Sunday school, and on Wednesday nights, and on Sunday nights, is sound doctrine. This ain't stuff I make up on my own. This is not make-believe. This is actually the Bible, the Word of God. That I know we have. So sound doctrine, but the good works. What do we do outside of this four walls? How do we manifest ourselves? The mission of this church, the purpose of this church is this, and this is on our website. The purpose of this church shall be to what? Glorify God. That's number one. It shall seek to attain this end through what? Public worship of God. That's what we're doing. We're worshiping God. We come together to worship God how? Publicly. I mean, I know you could do it on your own in your house in the privacy of your own place, but there's something about coming together as a body, coming together as the people of God, singing the songs of God, singing the praises of God, giving back to God, doing all those. There's something about actually having your body here that makes it much better than sitting at home. I get it. You, you can say I could do that at home, but God wants us, our physical bodies, at a place because we all should come together. So that we come together, we can do what one of the things I talked about, learn how to bear one another's burdens. And we got many burdens in here. We don't like to talk about them. We don't want nobody else to know we got them. But I can speak for myself. I got burdens. You got burdens. All of God's children's got what? Burdens. So we seek to attain to this end. How do we do that? How do we glorify God? Public worship of God. The preaching of the scriptures. We do that. Consistent Christian living by its members. That's part of the mission of this church. You've got the Bible, you've got public worship, and we also, as members of this body, consistent Christian living by we who say we are members. Got it? Consistent living by its members. Also, personal evangelism. Do we evangelize on Sunday morning? Yes. Is that the only way to do it? No. You, ma'am, sir, that are members. Personal. What are you? In 2016, let me just say two things. Number one, in 2015, 52 weeks of the year, did you speak to at least one person in 52 weeks? That's 52 people. Did you speak to 52 people in 2015 and ask them or challenge them to their coming to Christ? That's one person a week. In seven days, in 52 weeks, how many of us at least talked to one person? I'm saying one. And said, you know what? That's my personal evangelism. That's our responsibility. So 2016 is here. I hear the cry. People are leaving the church. I hear the cry. People are coming. I hear the cry. But they're not going to come unless you and I are personally evangelizing. 
And that goes all the way back to what I said at the very beginning. If you don't think this church is attractive, if you don't believe that Christ is the best thing that can ever happen to somebody, then you will be a bad seller of the gospel. And if you don't like what's going on, if you don't like the church, but you tolerate the church, and you're coming because the Spirit of God has left, then that's why we don't do what we're supposed to be doing. It all comes back to if God is here, we believe this, my God, we've got a great, let's, I need to go, I, at least one person a week I can ask or talk to about Jesus. That's a minimum. Consistent Christian living by its members. Personal evangelism. Missionary endeavors and Christian education. What are we doing as a church? Missionarily. That's outside of Wilmington. It could be in Wilmington, but outside of. What are we doing? What, do you know what we, what we invest in as a church in terms of our missionary effort? Probably not. And I'll be honest with you, not much. It's not a, it has not been a priority, but it should be. It's not always about us and keeping everything here. It's about what can we invest in the, in the lives of our community. We, we have three things, three things I could think of that we somewhat contribute to. We do the homeless shelter. We do uh, by Father's Kitchen. No, homeless shelter, new life clinic, and we also help with the kids, the CCYC. On a limited basis, very limited. Outside of that, no, we have not. We don't. We don't. We haven't given to any missionaries that go. Over. We we just we just haven't done it as of yet. We should, because that's important. Christian education. There you go. You get some of it on Sunday morning, but you also, if you're a member, and want to know about consistent Christian living. You want to know about public worship, all those things, Christian education. We have a great education system. Not because I'm the teacher. I just know that what we teach and do here is not your average church. A lot of churches don't even have this. Maybe you need to go places where they, they've done away with Sunday school. They've done away with teaching on Wednesday night. They've done away with teaching on Sunday night. They don't have it. They don't do it. You need to be taught, and I need to be taught the word. And you only get that if you and I are here. So, there you go. The purpose of this church shall be to glorify God. It shall seek to attain this end. How? This end through the public worship. Every time we come Sunday morning, we ought to be willing to worship God. Through the preaching of the scriptures. Anybody, myself, or any other person that comes up behind this desk, we ought to demand that they preach the scriptures. I don't need to know about good thoughts. I don't need to know about the, best, the, the newest book out there by Oprah. and all of that. I need the word of God. The preaching of the scriptures. And we need to be, as members, as believers, consistent Christian living. Where are you and I? How are we living out this thing called the gospel? Are we consistent in our living before a dying world that's asking the question of you and I? You're saved. You believe in Jesus. How is it there's not a marked supernatural difference between us and them? Consistent. Christian living by we, cornerstone, personal evangelism. What am I doing? What am I as an individual doing to advance the kingdom of God? Missionary endeavors and Christian education. Am I availing myself to all that's being taught? Am I out there asking the question, what, what, what people are out there that are missionaries that we, I, we can say, hey, you know what, Pastor, there's a, there's a guy, I don't care where he's at, but somebody, because not many of us in here are going to say, I want to be a missionary. 
I remember when I was at Word of Life camp. Remember that? Be a missionary every day. Tell the world about Jesus and all that. And the emphasis of the song was, be a missionary. You could be a missionary all over, not just all over the world. Be a missionary right where you are. Aristy, missionary field. Amen? Missionary field. There's all kinds of people in there don't know Jesus. Need to know about the gospel. Nail salon, beauty shop, missionary field. All over. You don't have, listen, I'm a firm believer. We're talking about we need to do things. We need to be involved. Guess what? That's great. But we don't have to read it. Well, there are a lot of things we can be doing. We don't have to sit around thinking about what we need to do. We just need to do it. Do you have a desire or, 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 or burden for those that are in jails? Well, maybe that's your, maybe that's your missionary endeavor, that you're being part of, the, of going out to the jails and visiting those that are incarcerated or going to the hospital or going like sister over here is doing, going out and helping those that are at the, at the Hope House, going on volunteering some time at, at the, my father's kitchen or going to, over to the homeless shelter or wherever. Those are things that we as a people of God ought to be involved in. You don't need somebody to get up here and say, this is what we need. That's what we should be about. I'm bringing it to you right now. Yes, if you want to do some great things for God, this, here are some things that are out there that are available. Volunteer at the school. Help those kids out there that have no family and need some structure and need somebody to come into their life and say, hey, baby, you know what? I'm going to help you learn how to read. Not that they're dumb. Not that they don't know how. They just don't have anybody to teach them. Nobody's cared enough. Nobody's loved them enough to tell them, hey, you're a smart kid. You get value. You get worth. They need to hear that. And maybe you might be the voice that they need. Amen? Don't get too many amens. That's all right. Because I know I'm right about it. That's it. That's who we are. That's our purpose. That's our mission. That's our statement of faith. Memorize that. Because that's who we should be. That covers everything. That covers who we are as a church. That covers who I am as an individual. And that covers the world. That covers the body. That covers it all. There's nothing left that's, that's not been said. Amen? Somebody says, what, what is Cornerstone Baptist Church? What, is, what, are we, what are you about? What do you want to do? Well, uh, let me tell you, the purpose of our church is to glorify God. To seek to attain to this end through public worship. We believe in worship God publicly. We believe the preaching of the scriptures. We believe consistent Christian living by our members, by those that make up our body. We believe in personal evangelism. We ought to be out really so. We believe in missionary endeavors. And we believe in Christian education. That's who we are. Amen. I don't know what else to say other than that's who we should be. That's who we are. And if we want to be the community, the church that God wants us to be, we need to adhere to his word. We don't need to be like Ezekiel and do the same old things and don't even recognize that God's spirit is now gone and we're just going through the motions. I pray that doesn't happen or has not happened with us. I pray the excitement of, of wanting God to, to bless us as a church, wanting God to manifest himself in the lives of all of us who are here today so that when we leave here, we're excited about Jesus. We're excited about saying, you know what? I've got a challenge. I, need, I got seven days from now to next Sunday to at least talk to one person 
And you're not going to tell me you and I, because we cover a lot of people over the course of a week. They all are Christians. They all aren't saved. And maybe if they are, they still need to suddenly be evangelized because they don't go anywhere. They're just floating out there. So you get the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge. We don't want to be the church that goes through the motions. We want to be a church that where your spirit is dwelling in the hearts and minds and lives of all of us. That we're challenged to see this world come to you. Many of us don't have to look for a mission field. The mission field is right in our own back door. We have friends. We have relatives. We have people, co-workers. Help us not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Open our hearts. Open our mouths. That we will be willing servants for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.